I was listening to a podcast with two of my favorite preachers. There was an older one, and then there was a younger one, and um, they were telling this story from when they uh, had had been together for a few days, and and the younger one was telling this story, and then the older one was kind of just sitting there like this. And um, about halfway through the story, he just he interrupts him. It was so funny. He just says, "Stop! Let me tell the story." And I'm that guy. I will totally do that. I will totally, if I, if I was there and you're telling a story and, and I remember being there for that story and I'm like, oh, you're not telling it right. Stop. Let me tell the story. Let, just let me tell the story. I'm totally that guy. I've got my friend Bryce here. You can't see him, but um, he preached a couple weeks ago for Grace Movement and he preached on Lazarus and he preaches a lot. So I want to give him some preaching advice right now. Bryce. Anytime, anytime you preach, it matters who tells the story. Um, do you remember when you preached for us a few weeks ago, you preached on Lazarus? So I was thinking about that story it, because it matters who, who tells the story. And when you're preaching Lazarus, you have to choose who tells the story. Because who tells the story determines really how the story comes across. I'm not saying like the story changes, but how you view the story changes. So if like, if Mary change, uh, tells this story, you're going to have somebody who was very, Mary spoke in tongues, you know what I mean? She was like, she was the one who was at Jesus's feet, just worshiping him and praising him. She didn't have a care in the world. She probably had a flag. She was the one after he raised Lazarus from the dead, just putting, putting oil and, and perfume all over him, anointing him. Didn't even know it was for his burial, but that's what it was for. So if you tell the story of Lazarus from her perspective, Lazarus is her brother. If you don't know the story, John 11, you can go read it. Um, but they send for Jesus. They go get him. Jesus, come here, come here. Uh, Lazarus is sick and he stays away two days. So if you tell that story from Mary's perspective, you'll hear this story. Jesus, the one I worshiped. Jesus, I sat at your feet and you didn't come. And I, I praised you because I thought you, you would come and you didn't come. Or you could tell the same story from Martha's perspective. Martha's an Enneagram three. Martha's like me and Martha's like you. Martha gets crap done. She just does it. Because when Jesus came over to her house one time, it was her house and she was in the kitchen. She was the one cooking. And so when she hears that Jesus didn't come to heal Lazarus, she says, well, that's fine. Jesus, you don't have to come. And you know what? You don't have to come sleep at my house. Christ can find a new couch to crash on because you, don't, you can't have my cooking no more. You can't come to my house no more. You can't come. I served you. And when I needed you, you didn't come. See, that's a different story. So it matters who tells the story. You could tell the story from Lazarus' perspective. It'd be kind of boring because it'd be like this. But <coughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, would be, like it would be a boring story. But you could tell it from Lazarus. You could tell it from the crowd who was there. There was a, Paul says, a bunch of, of, of Mary and Martha's friends came in town for the funeral. 
they didn't, some of them probably didn't even know who this Jesus guy was, and all of a sudden he shows up, and he, he does this whole resurrection thing. Um, you could tell it from the disciples' story, where they're walking around healing people, they're walking around ministering to crowds, huge crowds, and all of a sudden, Jesus hears a word, and a few days later, goes to heal his friend. So why would Jesus, if you're saying it from the disciples' perspective, Jesus will leave the crowd to go minister to his friend? See, the perspective, who tells the story, determines how the story comes across. So that's why I thought it was so interesting when I was listening to that podcast conversation when the old man said, just let me tell the story. I think it's important who you let tell your story. Um, even if like, I think sometimes we're walking around saying like, man, this did not go the way I wanted it to go. I wanted this to happen and that to happen. Jesus, I wanted you to come heal my brother. But Jesus said, let me tell the story. Because if you could tell the story, it would be a story of healing. But I didn't heal your brother because I didn't want a story about healing. In John 11, I wanted to make sure that the pages spoke that it was not a story of healing, but a story of resurrection. And so it matters who tells the story. That's the title of my message. Today's Let Me Tell the Story. It matters who tells the story. Because if you try to tell your own story, there's just some things that you don't know. There's some things that you can't control. There's some things that you can't um, understand or comprehend in your mind. And God wants to tell your story. And so... I was, I was reading in my big, 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 huge print Bible here that Bryce was making fun of just before we started. I was reading it the other morning, and I was in Acts 13, and um, I want to read you a few verses out of there, starting in verse 15, and um, after the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them. Uh, this was Paul and a few, of his, a few of his guys that were rolling together, and they were in Antioch. And so uh, they said, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Tell a story. And standing up, Paul motioned with his hands and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles. So, so we've, got, we've got Jews and we've got Gentiles. It's a mixed crowd. Um, you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. And the God of the people, the God of the, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. And he made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With a mighty power, he led them out of the country. Now, that's, that's interesting. Um, Paul, you're telling a story, but you go from their stay in Egypt to God let them out. He didn't even mention the part about slavery. He just skipped that, he skipped that whole part. He, he, he left that part out of the story. And it, he keeps going in verse 18. For 40 years, 
He endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as an inheritance. All this took 450 years. So Paul boils down 450 years into three verses. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king. This is what we talked about last week. And he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. Verse 22, this is, this is where we're hanging out for most of the day. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found Kate, David, son of Jesse. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And he will do everything I want him to do. We'll probably pick back up there. But I found that verse interesting. It stopped me. Early in the morning, I was just going along my normal Bible reading, and, and it just stopped me. Because right there, the Lord said, God said, God said, he is a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. That's the story God's telling. That's Acts 13, and that's the story. That's the story God's telling. Yet, 2 Samuel 11 has a different spin of the story. Because that's when the Bible says, in the spring, when kings go off to war, um, David was walking around the palace. It was late at night. He couldn't sleep, pacing around. And he went out to his balcony. And he looked over. And there he saw a woman taking a bath named Bathsheba, ironically. And so he sends for her, and she comes over, and they Netflix and chill. And then they get word a few days later, what, they get word a few days later, uh, hey, by the way, she goes out, David, you know, um, remember the other night? And he's like, what other night? And she goes, uh, the other night I was taking a bath. You, you were like, come here, and I come here, and then, you know, now, now we've got, I'm pregnant. And David's like, oh. And um, they weren't even married. Well, they were married. <laughs> it's not to each other. And so um, what he does is he sends for Uriah, her husband, who is out on the battle lines fighting, and says, come home. Come on, bro. Come, come chill. And he whines and dines, and he tries to cover it up by... Um, by getting Uriah to sleep with his wife. But long story short, Uriah decides, you know what? I'm, I'm, I, my men are off at battle fighting. I should not be home sleeping with my wife. So he sleeps outside at the gate, doesn't even sleep with his wife. And all of a sudden, David is left with the, you could say, a situation and doesn't really handle it very well. He, what he, his next plan of action is to send Uriah out to the front of the battle lines, retract everyone, all the other soldiers, so Uriah surely is killed. And... Um, that's, that's the story. Now you know the story. It, it, it is why it was a bit confusing to me that God said in Acts 13, 22, he will do everything I want him to do. It was, it was interesting. That's a different story. When God tells a story... He tells the story different than you or I might tell the story. 
Because we have an inclination to focus on people's shortcomings. Yet God, God doesn't see you for where you're at now, but it's like God looks at you and sees where you could be. It's why, it's why I want to caution you, don't take a circumstance and turn it into a story. Somebody commented on my Instagram the other day. <laughs> they said, well, I'm overweight. And I'm like, so you're going to take a circumstance and label it as a story. Oh, you know, um, I lost my job and, and some things happened and now I'm broke. Well, that can be a circumstance or that can be your story. That can be a page, maybe not even a page, maybe just a paragraph in a long, long story because I've got some parts of my story that if I make that the whole story, I've got a pretty bad story. But if I let God tell the story, he'll tell the story not of all the mistakes I've made. God will say in Acts 13, 22, let's leave 2 Samuel 11 out of the story because this is still my son. He's still the one whom I have chosen. He is still the king I have appointed and anointed. And when God tells a story, he tells it different than me and you. So when somebody you love leaves, that's not the end of your story. When something you depended on changes form, you have, I have, the temptation to make that the end of the story. Well, this didn't work out, the end. You don't get to decide when the story ends. So I came to you today to say, just let God tell your story. Because this is not even the only time this happens in the New Testament. Let's hop over to Romans 4.3. I could, I could just read you guys the whole Bible today. I've been so excited. I've just been waiting for these lights to turn on so I, could, I can read you these Bible verses. Uh, Romans 4.3. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yeah. That's that's. The story, that's not the whole story, though, <laughs> because in Genesis 15, God gives him the promise uh, saying, you know, I will make a nation out of you. Yet there's some stuff that happens in between when God tells him what the story will be and when the story actually comes to fruition. And we don't really have a lot of time to go through all of it. But I do want to cover a little bit of it because Romans 4.3 says it was uh, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. That's not the whole story, though, uh, because let's look at uh, Genesis 17, verse 15. God also said to Abraham, as for uh, Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. So before he changes the story, he changes the title. I just think that's cool. Uh, and then he says, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. Remember uh, Romans 4, 3, and surely. And, and, and Abraham believed God. Okay, so, so he says, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. And I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. King of peoples will come from her. 
Verse 17. Abraham fell face down and he laughed to himself. Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? He said, this, this can't, this cannot even, this cannot even happen. And this is after the whole thing where uh, Abraham slept with the servant girl because his wife said, well, you know, so God made the promise at 75 at, at when Abraham was 75. At 86, he had a son with the servant girl named Ishmael. And then at 99, God shows back up and says, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham's like, you said that 24 years ago. Because sometimes the timing of God is not dependent on our preferences, but on his purpose. So we want God to follow our script to the story. But God sees the whole story. And God knows the parts of the story we need to experience and we need to not experience. God never stopped David from sleeping with Bathsheba. God never stopped Abraham from sleeping with the servant girl, Hagar. God let that be in the story. Who tells your story? Do you only focus on the parts of your story where you fall short? Because that's not how God tells the story. No, he doesn't. That's not how God tells a story. God tells a story different. See, we like to end stories too early. We'll do this about pastors, you know, who will have a moral failure and will be like, man, they had a great ministry. That's not the end of their story. We'll do this about people who, who seemed like they were on the right track and then all of a sudden make one mistake and we'll be like, man, I really thought, you know, they were going to do it. I really thought they were going to get over that addiction. I really thought God had changed them. You don't get to decide when their story's over. You don't even get to decide when your own story is over. And it's important the story that you believe. You know, because we all have a story. We all have a story about ourselves. You know, this is why the other day, yesterday, you already know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yesterday, you texted me and you were like, man, I just, you know, I used to struggle with that. So now, and I said, don't, don't bring that story into today. And, and I do this all the time. I will take yesterday's story and make it today's headline. And, and God says, ah, my grace already took care of that. My purpose still reigns over your life. But if you keep staying stuck, whoo, some of us just stay stuck in old stories. But that's not what God did. God looked at David and said, that's a man after my own heart. And I want to pipe up and be like, Jesus, what about uh, 2 Samuel 11? Haven't you read that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I wrote it. 
but I still called him. I know what he did, but I've still got a purpose for his life. I know he's not perfect. <clears throat> but any of you who have sinned, throw the first stone. Because when God tells a story, he likes to tell the story different. One time Jesus is at a wedding and uh, they were like, hey guys, you know, wedding's over, everybody go home because uh, we're out of wine. And Jesus is like, no, that's not the end of this story. This wedding's going to keep going on. So I want to tell you, if you feel like you run out of something and your story is over, if Jesus is at the wedding, there can still be wine. Just bring a little bit of water to him and let's see what he can do. Go get the water. The wedding's over. Go get the water. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's over. Go get. Go get. Go get the water. So a lot of us will stay stuck in a story. We'll, say, we'll stay stuck in a story. We'll say, you know, well, I just, I guess I'll always struggle with this. But that's not that's not your whole story. God can take a man who made a mistake and he can use that mistake as I've been I've been reading a lot and thinking a lot about the life of Saul and the life of David. Because it's interesting to me why why there's two kings back to back. Both of them had failures, one recovered and the other didn't. So when Saul fell, when Saul made his error, when, when Saul made his sin, he, he made excuses to cover up for it. When David made his sin, when David made, made his mistake, it said he humbly came before God, repented, and said, I'm sorry, I messed up. See, it's the same story with a different ending because the posture was different. So, so Saul came to God and started to make excuses. This is where we get stuck in our stories. We make excuses saying things like, oh, I just can't get over that, God, I'm sorry. God said, who told you that story? That's not how I tell the story. That's not how I tell the story. You remember last week? We are grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we seem to them. That's your story. That's not my story. God said to the, to the Israelites, I will surely give you this land. But see, they wrote their own script. They wrote their own story, and they stayed stuck out of the promised land because they believed the story that wasn't true. And a lot of us think, whew, I'm excited to tell you this, because a lot of us think that we need a new story. You don't need a new story. You think you need a new story. You think, I have a bad story. You don't have a bad story. I just want to tell you between me and you, you don't have a bad story. I just think you're telling it wrong. I just think you're, I just think, I just think when God tells the story, he tells the story different. When, when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, I just, I've got to read you these two verses. I'm so sorry. I just, I just love the Bible. And I really do. It's just so good. All of it. But he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this in verse uh, chapter 5 in Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, the old story. Don't think I've come to get rid of that old story. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. 
Jesus is saying, I did not come to remove the old story. I came to build on the old story. See, you think, oh, I need God to get rid of my past so he can use me. No, no, no. God doesn't have to get rid of your past. God can use your past. God can use what you went through. I'm going to keep going. Verse 18, for truly I tell you not the sm- for truly I tell you until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus is saying, I have come with gospel, good news. I've come with a good story. I've come with a good story. Because some of us are stuck in stories, and I think the rest of us are believing incomplete stories. See, like an incomplete story is like, man, God could use me if blah, 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 blah. See, that's incomplete. Because the next part of the passage where um, Paul is preaching, verse 23, it says, from this man's descendants, God brought Israel to save real Jesus as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people. Repent, repent, repent. I don't mean this, and you can easily take this the wrong way. Repentance is incomplete without belief. So John came preaching, repent. Turn from your sin. Leave your life of sin. Repent, repent, repent. That's not a bad story. It's just incomplete. There's still another part to that story, which would come later, which would come during the crucifixion. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he wanted to make sure he would take an instrument of death and turn that bad, that painful, that excruciating, that instrument that they would put criminals on, and he would take that that painful thing and make a good story. Who tells your story? Even when God was speaking to Abraham and he was telling him, you know, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make your name great. In, in, in Genesis 17, in the first two verses, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. And he said, again, after, after Abraham's mistake, he said again, he, oh, because you thought after you make the mistake, God's done speaking. No. <laughs> Abraham's mistake came in chapter 16. God showed up again in chapter 17. So when Abram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, other translations, or in the Hebrew it says, El Shaddai. When that's translated through the Septuagint, which would have been the modern Jesus uh, Bible Jesus would have had, it, it means this, um, one who has his hand on everything. That's what the God Almighty, I am God Almighty, I am El Shaddai. He's saying, I have my hand on your story. I have my hand 
on your mistake. I have my hand on your pain. I have my hand on what you think is dead. I have my hand on what you think is over. I have my hand on that. I've got my grace. I've got my love. I've got my joy. I've got my peace. I've got my compassion on that. We all have stories. We all have stories about ourselves. We all have stories about God. Because some of us have a wrong story about God. We think God, you know, just wants us to get our act together and straighten up and uh, turn right or, you know, don't turn left or whatever. You know, it's like, it's like be, get right or get left. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's not how how Jesus came though he said it is the sick who need a doctor i came to tell an unexpected story and what will keep us from the story that god wants to tell through our life is our inability to be unstuck god wants to give you a new story today god wants to give you a complete story today god wants to give you a fulfilling story but if you believe the story, the lie, if you believe if you believe what the enemy says about you, what the enemy's because the enemy's not stupid. He's not going to try to get you to just like go off the rails and do heroin. He's going to try to get you to to believe something that's incorrect about the people in your life. You've got to be careful when you start telling other people's story by the way too, cuz you don't know the whole story. You know, all, you know, they were a good friend and they just stopped caring about me. Maybe they got busy. They, they, they were really great, but, and this is why I think we shouldn't gossip too much. It feel, I mean, it feels good. It's fun. <laughs> it's a good time. But we shouldn't do it too much because we're telling other people's stories, but we're not, we're just putting in the parts that God will leave out. When, when we tell somebody's story, we don't tell the whole story. But God wants to give you a new story. And when he came, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law. I didn't come to remove the law. I didn't, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying the law's over. I came to fulfill it. Jesus didn't come to remove your past. He came to fulfill your life. I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Who tells your story? So I feel like God's up today speaking to you. I was praying that this message would be just for the one person that God put it on my heart to preach it for. And I think God's saying, just let me tell your story. Because if you try to tell your story, You'll tell, you'll tell short stories. You'll tell incomplete stories. You'll tell, you'll tell stuck stories. You'll, you'll say the end where I never said the end. Uh, you'll, 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 you'll be like, well, you know, that's just the end of my story, I guess. That's not the end. If you still... If you still 
popped out of your little eyeballs today and said, whoop, I got another day. That means God's saying, look, I've got another story. If you've got another day, God's got another story. His mercies are new every morning. If you have breath today, you have the opportunity for a new story. Jesus, I thank you for the person who's on the other side of this screen experiencing the grace that you have freely given to them. God, I pray you meet them where they are. Help them to accept your purpose. Help them to accept your plan and help them to accept your story. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, well, I want to thank you for tuning in. If if this is your first time, a special thank you. My name is Jackson. I lead Grace Movement, and it's been an honor um, for you to spend some time with us today. And I really do appreciate that. Hey, and if you already know what I'm going to say, it's because you tune in every week. But um, you can go to gracemovement.online. Some of you can say that in your sleep. You can go to gracemovement.online and find out more about us. And thank you to those of you who partner with us on a financial level. That is where you can learn about that and partake and do that. Um, Hey, and if you like the video, like the video. Um, Comment. Tell us us your favorite part. And uh, tell us where you're watching from. Let's see what else. Oh, make sure to subscribe. You should definitely do that. Man, I just hope you enjoyed the message. I pray it blessed you. And um, let us know how we can be praying for you in any way. We would love to do that. So, till next week, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. God bless.